Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Sponsored by Dext. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Welcome to only our second Success in Accounting podcast. On behalf of the Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network, Rob Brown and Martin Bissett with you here to give you what it takes to be successful as an accounting practitioner. And by accounting, we include bookkeepers, CPAs, people in that ecosystem that serve the accounting profession and the fintech industry all around them. So Martin, we're pulling out various things over the next few weeks. We've got some great panel discussions, interviews with accounting practitioners, but all about making accountants successful. Are they successful? It depends on your measure, I guess, because we all know that the true measure of success is whatever the individual wants it to be. There's, uh, it's a mugs game to compare yourself against other people, especially the people you don't know, which is why benchmarking never took off in accounting, because ultimately you're comparing yourself against people that you have absolutely no knowledge of. And ultimately, I think it's you versus you. So for your practice or your career, it's you today versus you last year versus you last month, whatever time scale you have. That's are you further on? Are you close to where you were going to? Then that's success. But what I want to do here, Rob, is I want to sort of draw actual stories from firms who are having success in an area that will be of interest to just about all of our listeners. I love that idea of what makes the good accountants great, what makes the good accounting firms great. Just remember the old Jim Collins book, Good to Great, which people raved about. It was a really simple concept, but there's a lot of mediocrity, people hanging around average in the middle percentiles, if you like, but there are some exceptional firms and you talk to these firms a lot. They're progressive, they're innovative, they're out there, they're ahead of the curve, if you like, and they're doing things that other firms are not. And it might seem simple, it might be quite complex. So if we can drill down on a few of these over the next few weeks, that would really benefit our listeners on that good to great concept. So it fits with success in accounting really well. What's on your mind today? Well, let's let's wander off to Scotland for a while. Scotland. Scotland. I saw, I saw your favourite a... football team lives, Hibernian. If anyone in our global listenership knows Hibernian Football Club. Uh, other football teams are available, but none of them is, are as good. So <laughs> the there was a post on social media recently. Forget who it was from, but it was along the lines of, um, how do you tell when someone's living their best life? Okay. They're the ones not broadcasting that are living their best life. Mm. You know, if they're living their best life, they haven't got time or need to be validated on social media about it. And I find that the most successful accounting firms aren't generally the loudest, aren't they the brightest in terms of the way they look on social, uh, social media. They're quietly getting on with things. They're quietly making improvements and progress, and they're not really bleating about it. And this fits the profile of what I'm about to share with you. Because in Scotland right now, there is a firm who has tried to be very leading edge historically so they have gone in for all of the trends and uh, uh, fads that have come into the profession over the years and have learned by experience just to do what works and keep it to themselves generally so you'll see a lot of firms saying our net promoter score for our clients is 98.2 which means nothing whatsoever you know and it's all lip service or we carry out a client survey every year and our clients tell us that we're, they're absolutely delighted with us well if they said anything else you're not going to talk about it are you so on that basis um i was having a conversation with a friend that said martin covid did like everybody else bring us closer to the client base it did we did find out more about the businesses and their motivations. We did get close to the personal uh, aspirations of those business owners. And that's true. But what it didn't do is it didn't bring us to their door. It didn't get us to talk to them in person. It didn't get them to see us 
face-to-face. And we want to reconnect with our clients on a face-to-face basis. And they were wandering down the very traditional road, which is let's have a seminar about pensions, because of course that's riveting and everyone's that. Um, or let's talk about MTD, even though it's not coming in until 2077 or whatever the current date is. So they were going down the traditional thinking routes of let's have an event where we put a bit of food on, invite some clients around, give them their presentation, send them on the way. And that's another box ticked in the client service section. And as the conversation deepened, we decided to go a little bit more interesting than that. And it culminated in the practice inventing their client advisory board. Now, what they did here, Rob, is they picked their sort of top guns to make a particularly good reference at the moment for the films that are out in the cinemas near you. They picked their their sort of grade A clients, their best of the best, the people who use them for the most and widest skill range, pay them the most money, people they get on with the best, people who are the best referrers, that kind of thing. And they brought them all together in a room and conducted essentially a forum or agenda that was two-way. So the clients who attended got to say, here's what's on our mind right now. We are worried about tax. We're worried about legislative change. We're worried about uh, foreign exchange rates. We're worried about the Ukrainian impact uh, on uh, natural resources and how it affects our business and all those sorts of things. So the clients got to come to the accountant's office, which is beautifully decked out, lovely big meeting room, can hold about 25 in it comfortably. And they got to bring all of their issues to the table. And the practice in return would then bring together these clients to see if any of the other clients had got solutions for the concerns of the businesses who had raised them. And if not, the practice then drew upon their experience of working with all the other clients to find solutions. And it became a solution finder situation. So the clients that were invited were invited to come along to find solutions to their business problems. Because at the same time, let's advertise what else the practice can do that those businesses aren't currently buying from that practice right now. So it was a great cross-selling exercise, even though it was subtle. It was a genuine value add in terms of business solutions. But then the practice turned it around and said, right, what can we do better? How do we serve you better? Now, that also had an intended upside because where clients, grade A clients, said, well, we we loved how you did X, Y, Z, and we'd love you to do it again. Some other client in the room goes, I had no idea you did that. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps you should talk to us about this. And they said, well, it would be great if you could get us to, if you could call us once a month to see how we're doing, like a check-in call. And then four other validate that idea, say, and us, and us, and us, and us. So in one go, the practice brings in its best clients, connects them together. Oh, look, you're a haulage company. You're the people who send packages out. Perhaps you should talk. It has served that purpose. It served the purpose of, can we solve your problems? It served the purpose of, this is what else we do. It served the purpose of getting feedback on how the practice can improve, all in one simple client advisory board. So it was a win-win-win. The practice benefits in terms of its progress and evolution, the business's benefit in terms of network contacts and business solutions, and of course, new business opportunities come out of it at the same time. Now, that cost, I think, zero pounds and zero pence to put together as a market. available in other currencies, Martin? Yeah, if you translate that to euros, it's completely different, of course, and dollars, of course, yeah, as well, different figures there. Um, but all it took was the managing partner's time and a practice who actually cared about what the clients and what they thought. So it saved all direct mails, all social media campaigns, all can we talk to you about some things, all done 
in a place where they get third-party social proof and where it's their clients doing the selling for them, not them. So success in accounting this week, Rob, I would point towards the CAB, the Client Advisory Board, one of the simplest put-togethers of all time. Grab a cab. Martin, that's excellent. That totally is success in accounting. I'm going to ask you to leave us with maybe a a three-step plan for accounting firms that want to start a client advisory board. What would they do next? How would they get started? But just while you're thinking of that, I love this idea because you become the common element in that room. You're the firm. You're the glue that holds all of those businesses together. You're the common element, aren't you? So they're all talking about you. How do you know? How long have you been with the firm? What do you do with them? And the second thing is, what a great vehicle for client advocacy. They're all talking great things about you, why they've stayed with you, why they joined you, why they moved from other firms. All of that comes into play, doesn't it? It does indeed. It does indeed. So you've asked me for a three-step plan, and here it is. Step one is mindset. Get into the mindset of actually caring about the client rather than seeing them as a cash cow to be milked. And get on with the desire to improve their businesses, stage one. In stage two, understand that the value that you bring might come from the room and not from you. You don't have to have all the answers. You have to be able to start all the conversations and let the clients, let the room find the answers for themselves. You can help, you can, you can accelerate, but you don't have to do it all yourself. So have the guts to put this thing on as well. And thirdly, make sure that it's not a one-off. Make sure that you don't go, box tick, we held a client advisory board. Let's post a picture of it on our website and never ever do it again as long as we live. Start to form a consistent process, a discipline, a habit, a methodology, a central part of the firm's culture. Every quarter or every six months, we have a client advisory board where we bring our very best together to enhance mutual improvement for the the entire room, including the firm itself. And it's a simple email to send out, isn't it, Martin? Say, we're thinking of doing this, would you like to join? We're inviting a few select clients. How prestigious is that? It's a, no, it's a no-brainer. Dear so-and-so, as one of our preferred clients, uh, um, as one of our preferred clients, we thought you might like an hour at the office to come and just think about your business with some of the greatest minds in the local area. You'll be joined with all of our other preferred clients, and we'll be dealing with the agenda that you bring to the table, not the one we prescribe. Come along, get some value. Added bonus, what about your R&D? What about your steering group of, we're thinking of doing this as a firm. Has this got legs? Would you buy this if you brought it in as an additional service line? How good would that be? Yeah, it'd be great. And to those of the listeners now who have had the word, oh, I couldn't possibly uh, start to flash into their minds or the phrase, um, then you're right. You couldn't possibly. So you start thinking like that, you beat. So uh, for those of you who are thinking, oh, I, I could do that. I, I should do that. Then please implement it while you are yet in the mood to do so. Because like all other non-deadline driven uh, tasks in an accounting firm, it will drop to the bottom of the priority pile otherwise. Love that, Martin Bissett. That is success in accounting. We'll bring you more nuggets like this if that's really working well. For those accounting firms that are on the bleeding edge, the leading edge, just doing a little bit better and moving from good to great on the dial. Thank you for tuning in. Remember that this is our flagship show. We have four other shows that you'll need to sign up to individually. On Tuesdays, we have insights in accounting. That's our news and analysis and commentary on what's going on. On Wednesdays, we have influencers in accounting. That's a one-to-one interview with someone that's uh, really making their mark in the accounting fintech world. On Thursday, we have best practice in accounting. That's very practical stuff on various aspects of your role in accounting. And on Friday, we have a new show, UK Matters in Accounting. So if you feel that the world centers around the United Kingdom in the accounting profession, that is one for you to tune in to subscribe. Thanks for being a listener. Thanks to our partners. And we'll see you next time on Success in Accounting.
Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly, really fly. So we are at the International Accounting Forum and Awards 2022. I'm here with John Rockcliffe from M-Files. Hello. Hello. Good to have you with us. Why do you come to events like this, John? It's an investment. You're taking people out of the office, but clearly there are some opportunities for you. I mean, clearly it's to drive um, awareness of, of what we do, our platform. Um, I think as well, personally, for me, it's, it's really just um, for the industry is, is to, to, to raise awareness of how to run businesses effectively. You know, um, just getting the basics right, talking to people about, you know, what their strategy is and how they are intending to kind of manage their operation now and in the future. And, and really, you know, how we can help. And I say, obviously, I, I represent M-Files, but, but clearly what we talk about is, is a general topic that can just help businesses, you know, do better, um, be more efficient and utilise their staff in a better way. So, John, you're doing a very exciting sounding talk later on. Tell us a little bit about the title and what it's all about. Okay, so um, the, the title is The True Cost of Information Management. Um, and really what it is, is it's a session where we're challenging the audience um, with, some, with some questions. Um, and it's really to expose the true cost of, of actually storing data in a business. Um, so there is a direct cost, clearly, you know, we need to store things in a business, but there's also the in indirect impact of the decisions we make in a business. Um, you know, they can, they can impact productivity, they can impact um, the threat of um, mis-sharing information with, with clients. You know, we've all heard stories of people sharing the wrong information with the wrong yeah. clients and things like that. So that's what the talk is about. Um, and it's really to, to kind of challenge the audience and get them thinking about what they are doing as a business and asking the question is is that the right strategy for them and there's so much data around isn't there these days that accountants and their own clients have to deal with it must be overwhelming for them and you help them make sense of that and manage it properly yeah absolutely um one of the it's sort of a bold statement but one of the, the simple messages that we talk about is getting a single version of the truth yes for the business that's that. you no know, that's it um so yeah and there's there's techniques that we we talk about with our clients about you know um uh keeping one copy not sharing you know keeping one reference to to a document keeping um you know not not sharing things via email you know that's a big challenge especially for this market is getting people away from thinking about email you know people have used it as a crutch for so many years and and actually there are better ways of doing things well, you allude into cybersecurity as well, as we're all hybrid working and virtually, so we're not in the office. And we don't often give that much thought to the security of documents we're sending to and fro, do we? No, and, and really, you know, that, that is part of, part of our message. Part of what we do is, is actually thinking about um, what we do at, at work, the documents that we create, the information that we, that we create and share, they're assets for the business. And we need to treat them as such. You know, um, whether something's a Word file or an Excel spreadsheet, you know, someone can you know, store that anywhere, potentially. But actually, it's an asset. It belongs to the business. We should consider it as such. We should secure it as such. It's intellectual property, isn't it? Exactly. And we need, to, we need to put the same thought processes behind the documents that we create in a business and mm. share as a business as we do our core data in our CRM systems, our ERP systems, our practice management systems. And you deal with a very big accounting firms. How different is that to the one, two partner firms or those mid-tier firms, John? It's, it's, uh, it can be surprising, actually. <laughs> so I, You're I fumbling say, for the right words yeah, here. I, I would say um, um, the size of the firm does not, is not an indication of the maturity of their IT estate. That's a really good phrase. I've, I've Very diplomatically put. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I've, I've, been, I've been in firms where, um, you know, let's say some larger firms, where, where because they have scale, it's very challenging them 
to get the basics right. Right. Whereas I've been in smaller firms that have got the basic rights, uh, the basics right. Yeah. Uh, they are then able to grow. They're able to do what they want to do because obviously some firms don't want to grow. They just want to be productive and you know reduce reduce costs. Yeah. Um, so so it, the size of the firm doesn't really matter. It's about how they apply their, the thought process to what they're doing is, mm. is really the, the key. And is the biggest competitor for M-Files actually complacency or a little bit of arrogance or laziness in accounting firms? I, I probably wouldn't put it that way. I'm, I'm probably a bit nicer. <laughs> a bit more <laughs> but, diplomatic. Yeah, a little, little bit more diplomatic. But um, it's the, I think the, the, the issue for me is we're all brought up with you know, computers, whether it's PC or Mac. And we're all given this platform where we can we can save things, yes. and that has driven the thinking in the industry for years and years. You know, we've gone from filing cabinets to you know saving things on our computers to saving things in the cloud. Yeah. But actually, the thinking about what we do hasn't changed, and so the problems that we were talking about probably 10 years ago still fundamentally haven't changed. Even though people have gone through these lengthy cloud transformations, really they've just moved things from you know, from a filing cabinet to on-premise storage to cloud storage, and nothing has really changed. And so that really fundamentally, that's that's the the mindset that we're, we as at M-Files, we're, we're trying to kind of break down that mindset of trying to get people to think differently about their data and their and storage. And do you feel you're dragging accountants into that change, or are there some firms that are actually saying, come on, let's do the R&D with you. Let's develop this. We need this particular thing doing. Help us make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we, we work with a number of firms, I think, that come to us with the simple challenge of, you know, how do we get to that, as I said before. Yeah, collaborative. That, 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 that single version of the truth. Um, just that, that simple concept of something comes in, um, we need to share it between five teams. They all need to do something with it. Now, do we, do we store that five times? Um, you know, how do we, how do we work that mm. so that people are working off the same record? And is this a burning platform of sorts, John? What will happen to the firms that don't get a handle on this? Um, I think uh, that's a difficult one to say because um, you know firms are working right they've had this challenge for, for years and years what we typically see though is the firms that do adopt you know this new thinking this new way of storing and managing content is they're able to cut out all of the noise um, you know from the business one of the one of the, um, the threads that have been you know that's been talked about um, at this event in the last couple of years has all been about things like employee retention how do we how do we get talent how do we make talent you know, stay in our business. Mm. And actually, sometimes giving employees the fundamental tools to do their job in an efficient way so they can focus on being an accountant, yep. not a secretary, not managing emails, not, you know, searching for information in, in a vault somewhere that just has no value. And so, you know, I think it's less about, sometimes it's the, it's the kind of the intangible benefits that mean the most to people. Um, and they really, they really drive benefits. Well, from. that's not chargeable time, is it? If you're looking for exactly. a document, you can't charge that to the client, really, can you? Yeah. Um, no. And uh, you know, some firms, some firms do, right? They, yes. they, they charge a document fee, but um, but no, typically, you know, the the the, the productivity of your staff is is really an internal problem, mm. is an internal challenge. And I think, you know, and if people keep working the way they're working and they have been working, then then nothing really changes. But for those firms that do adopt a way of working where information is at people's fingertips then they can they can bring back that product productivity gains to more high value tasks yeah and uh, what excites you most about mfiles and your future for the next few years um okay uh, so i'm probably a little bit sad because i really genuinely enjoy working with the technology and the platform um i, I love going in and, and getting people excited about just a fundamentally new way of working um 
the next few years, um, especially for M files, um, I think you know the how we take the message of you know getting one source of the truth and taking that from an internal viewpoint out to clients. So clients' expectations. Um, that that's a big that's a big kind of excitement. The other excitement thing is exciting thing is um, is what we're doing with with AI. So. A lot of people talk about AI as a sort of lofty kind of technology that's going to take over the world. Um, we take a, a very practical view uh, of AI in our platform, um, and it's creeping into our platform, just helping users get rid of those menial tasks that no one wants to do. You know, inputting data, um, finding stuff. You know, so our platform is moving more towards suggestive content. You know, you've oh, okay. looked at this transaction. Yeah. Do you also realize that maybe you've done this before and would you like to review this? And you know, that sort of intelligence in just fundamental technology, that's that's what we are developing behind the scenes. And that is coming and it will hopefully again, it's not revolution, but it will certainly improve you know user experience with just the basic tasks of using a computer. Yeah. This is great John. Final question. Accountants listening that want to get a handle on their intellectual property, their work product, manage their files and documents better, what would be the first steps, the basic foundations for them to put a foot on the ladder? Um, I, think, I think it's just um, having that open discussion um, about how do we start treating documents and the, the, our file storage, how do we treat it as an asset like we do our data? And taking that approach and that mindset, and then and then looking at a strategy of, of how that's achievable, uh, whether that's with M files, you know, hopefully that is. But um, and and really, you know, the other thing to do, and the other thing that we talk about is is not creating silos in the business. So often, what we do is we work with our with our clients to link M files to their existing data applications to provide that structure in the business. Um, you already have information in your business. Let's use it. So um, connecting all those those dots together. At the back end, that's the thing that really takes that that, that kind of impact, that that first bite of the, the apple. There's loads of things that we do with our cl customers, um, but that first stage is reutilizing the data you already have to provide structure to your your back end file storage operations. Well, John Rockcliffe from M Files, that's been terrific. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Rob Brown here on the Success in Accounting podcast, and we are at the International Accounting Forum and Awards 2022, and I'm delighted to have with me today the legend that is Stephen Hamlet of Russell Bedford International. Hi, Stephen. Far too kind, Rob. Nice to, nice to see you again in real life, actually. It's been a long time. It has. We've done a lot of Zoom calls, haven't we? We have, indeed. How does it feel to be back face-to-face -face with some of your peers? Because you're very well-known and you know pretty much everyone around, don't you? It's fabulous, actually. I mean, it's obviously only been the first half of the morning, um, but trying to catch up with everyone, trying to speak to everyone, um, it's as if we'd never been apart, actually. It just proves how great and close-knit this community is. Um, you know, we call what well, we say that some of these people are our competitors, but really we're all, all amongst friends, so it's great to catch up with them going through what we've been experiencing in the last in the last couple of years, the challenges and indeed the opportunities that will now start to unfold mm. post-pandemic. And this event particularly is a collection of the great and the good in the networking, uh, the Network Association Alliance space. Uh, you're running Russell Bedford International. What kind of things do you talk about as leaders of these organizations? Well, obviously, we've initiated conversations on you know, how we've managed during the pandemic, how we're starting to get back to, to physical conferences. Um, and there's been a lot of talk at the moment about firms 
merging in with other firms and associations mm. talking with other associations or networks and we'll just have to watch this space about what's going on out there um, but there's a lot of consolidation at the moment particularly in the US with firms merging upwards and and downwards as well and, and together with other firms so yeah it's just nice to, to, to meet my my peers and find out what they're what they've experienced in recent times and, and what the rest of the year and future years hold, hold for them and their member firms. I read a quote recently that the pandemic is either a storm, a winter, or an ice age, uh -huh. depending on how long we're feeling that it lasts. But there is a sense, do you agree, that the pandemic is perhaps over, but uh, are we still in a winter? What are your thoughts? I mean, my kind of mentality is that it's over. But having said that, I'm about to fly to Singapore on Monday, where it still is very much um, prevalent out there right. um, you know you have to wear masks still in inside internal buildings mandatory um, testing not mandatory testing in singapore but part, certain parts of of asia um, they do have that which um, precludes some of our member firms from coming to the conference so you know having sort of thought that we don't need any masks anymore obviously in this country i know i'm going to have to take some with me to singapore because i will have to start well continue wearing those but we all long for that time when, when masks were a thing of the past, um, I'm hoping. It's just great to be, as we are here, talking freely, sitting next to people, not having to have that two-meter distance or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and actually hugging and shaking hands with our friends again. Yeah. And uh, with the disruptors in the accounting profession at the moment, is it possible, do you think, to make a firm future-proof or disruption-proof? Um, I think the pandemic has taught us many lessons of uh, particularly, you know, the word resilience is, is mentioned a lot. And mm. the accounting profession has, um, as much as any profession, really shown that they were adaptable and flexible when something was thrown at them. So I think, you know, when you think about future proof, I think anything that comes our way, and I talk about the profession at large, I think we, we have shown that we are capable of coping with those challenges. Um, but yeah, you don't know what's going to happen around the corner and we're just going to have to, you know, you say future proof, but I think you've got, you've got to be as protective as you can thinking about scenarios and, op and challenges and looking at the opportunities out there, but just making sure that you're aware of what's happening, what might happening, what might happen and making sure you're ahead of the curve really. And with the accounting firms out there, many of them are not in any kind of association, alliance, network. Why is that a danger for them to be isolated at a time like this? Well, it was interesting because as the pandemic hit, you know, we started to question, you know, our sort of um, reason to be uh, and whether we could continue offering our member firms what we're offering them. And it's surprising how, if anything else, it, we were getting knocked on the doors quite a lot from firms saying, you know, we want to be part of something. We realize that the pandemic has made us feel even more isolated now. We need to be able to be able to reach out to firms, although we can't fly to their country at the moment because of the pandemic. You know, the activity that we were having online, the ability to reach out to other firms during these very, very challenging times, experience that, that nobody had experienced before, was, was really important. So firms we're starting to see coming up to us now, um, interested that they realize they do have to be connected. Yeah. Um, it's no longer a, a decision of, oh, is it a good idea? Should we, do we want to do this? But it's becoming important that we must be connected internationally. Yeah. 
And you're doing some work with Michael Quigley. He's just approaching us right now, so he's going to join us. Just introduce Michael to the listeners, Stephen. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael's uh, done great for us, and we're actually up for an award tonight because of the work that Michael has has done with us uh, in our community on health and well-being. This is a, a topic that we started to introduce to the firm before the pandemic, but became ever more important during the pandemic. Um, and obviously, you've got to look after your people, and Michael does that very, very well. What are the key things in mental health and well-being in the accounting space that you're speaking into for Russell Bedford International, Michael? I think the first one is understanding that you're not alone. People talk about, Stephen's talking about resilience and, and mental health, mental well-being. We all tend to think that the problems we're going through are unique to us, which they kind of are, but the chances are, especially at the moment, we're all part of a global narrative, we're all part of a story, and it's, it's, brought, it's been a great leveller in, like Stephen was saying, you know, if you're a Russell Bedford partner in Chile, chances are you're going through something to somebody in London and there's a thread there. So the first is understanding that people are not isolated, they can be together. And in terms of a challenge, I think it's responding to, I'm going to be pretty frank, people being quite unreasonable not just in accounting but outside of sectors meaning clients you know they've been if they're emailing once a week it might be three times a day right. and for accountants especially pacing themselves and understanding that just because a client might be being quite unreasonable doesn't mean you're doing a bad job especially for younger managers so I think it's about understanding that people can be they're all in it together there's definitely an element of that like Stephen was saying about collaboration the second is people to be frank can be some of them quite unreasonable at the moment but it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. And the third thing I'd say, is, especially is about pacing yourself. You know, I, I look long-term in terms of decades ahead. Um, and yes, we're always trying to do the next tax year, but understanding how that adds up to, like we've heard this morning, your client's long-term vision. Um, and can you provide insight and foresight going forward? You can, but not in maybe just a week. Mm-hmm. So it's saying to people, you know, you've got to look after yourself because you're a very important asset. You're a very important person. So take the time to look after yourself. And Stephen, Michael brings up an interesting point in that the client expectations are becoming ever higher. So they're demanding more and more from their accountant at a time where that accountant is struggling more and more with capacity and bandwidth and time. How do we solve that conundrum? Well, it goes back to the, um, the adage of you have to look after your clients um, in order to keep your clients. Um, and sometimes, and we particularly saw this during the pandemic, that a lot of our firms were doing sort of free webinars and giving, giving to their clients more time than they would normally give, let's say, um, because it was an investment. Um, and, and that investment paid off. And we saw that those firms kept those clients and also attracted the clients from their competitors because they were investing time. Uh, more time than normal. And they kept the client close, didn't they? Which yeah, is important. No, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that kind of partner-led service, that that client-focused firm who really shows empathy, and that's another word that was used a lot during the pandemic, mm. understanding the, the challenges that their clients were going through. Um, and that kept our firms ahead of the curve. But does that set unrealistic concerned. expectations for what a client experience looks like? Do we need to recalibrate that now? I mean, it, it, is a, it is a challenge right now, and I hear it from all of our firms around the world. Um, you know, it's not, it's not um, the need or looking for more clients. They, they're inundated with client work. It's getting the right people and getting people. So it's always been a struggle, even before the pandemic, but it continues to be even more a problem now of attracting people and retaining people, particularly people that have now seen had a sort of refresh in their life work-life balance comes comes to mind and obviously working remotely and wanting the younger generations wanting that flexibility so firms have really got to look after their people because they've got all this client work and they need the people to do the work so yes it is a challenge um, and and firms are having to contend with that at the moment and Michael we talked about uh, the inner alone 
self-care is important. It's okay saying, let's get the leaders of accounting looking after the people, but people have got to look after themselves and take responsibility. We're all contending with someone, something. Nobody has it all sorted. What advice would you give to the accountants listening that, that perhaps might be struggling, but don't feel they've got the platform to admit any vulnerabilities, so it gets worse? Yeah, I think the first thing you should think about, I always say, is like, imagine you had like a billion dollar asset, a billion pound asset, you protect that asset, wouldn't it? You, yeah. you, you do everything you could. Well, that's us. If you think about it, if you look at all your clients and all of your team, you talk about lifetime value of a client, well, lifetime value of an accountant or lifetime value of a team member, a lot of people underestimate just how strong they can be if they have to be, but we're all far too hard on ourselves. So first thing I'd say is about them understanding that, if that makes sense. And very often, I always say to people, when you're dealing with stress, it's not about reducing workload, because like Stephen said, that ain't gonna happen anytime soon. It's not about changing client expectations, making them more reasonable. That ain't gonna change necessarily anytime soon. It's what I call a pattern interrupts. So for example, you're working on something, two hour block, take a break, five, 10 minutes, and it just allows the system to kind of go, oh good. Because what I found is, it's not about how much stress that you can handle, it's how well you can recover from that stress. And there's examples from leadership uh, in sports and politicians and accountancy and all leaders in their fields, they have very high stress environment, but they also have very high ability to handle and rest and recover from that. Silly example, but you remember Gerard Butler, the actor from 300? Yeah. And when he was filming 300, they said like, did you go out partying and all that? He said, no, I was resting and recovering. I was filming on set. And then every time I go somewhere, I look for hills to run and a good hotel so I can get a good rest. And we've done this with, you know, in the work I've done, I've been fortunate with Russell Bedford. They understand the value of the individual. And they say, they say, we know you've got a busy job. We know you've got a lot going on. We're gonna show you some strategies some techniques and things to help you to rest, recover and look after yourself so that you're able to go, oh, I think I can handle this rather than I'm massively overwhelmed. Yeah, and Stephen, final thoughts from you. Perhaps some words of hope to the accounting profession that despite the disruption and the challenges that we're facing, it is good to be an accountant. This is a great game to be in and you can handle what's coming up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was shown uh, during the pandemic that the businesses out there needed the accountancy profession. The accountancy profession stepped up to those challenges. They um, stood in the gap, didn't they? Those businesses. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, and help those businesses. Um, many of them help them survive and, and move forward into the new, the new norms. Um, just picking up from where Michael left off, uh, taking that time out is important because you could get stressed out with, with your job, and, but you don't want to burn out. So sometimes you think you're so busy, you don't have time to rest, but sometimes taking those two steps backwards allows you to go three or four or five steps forwards. So I think the accountancy, accountancy profession needs to um, continue. Obviously, there will be elements and times of firefighting, but it needs to take a step back and think about the strategy, the future, what more they can add to their clients, how the directions are going, uh, how the paths are going in certainly certain different directions now. But there's a lot of positivity out there. They prove they can do the job and they've done it very well. Well, Stephen Hammer of Russell Bedford International and Michael Quigley, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure, Rob. Thank you very much. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly. Sponsored by Dext.